episode 87 of the Actors Room. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and today we discuss a documentary called There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. Coming at you this week. Sit tight, relax. I hope you enjoy the show. Eight people were killed when a minivan being driven by 36-year-old Diane Schuler traveled 1.7 miles in the wrong direction. It was on a parkway and eventually collided head-on with an oncoming SUV. The deaths included Schuler, her daughter, and three nieces, and three passengers in the oncoming SUV. The crash was the worst fatal motor vehicle accident to occur in Westchester County since July 22nd of 1934. And that is when a bus accident happened, claiming 20 lives. The ensuing investigation into the crashes caused received nationwide attention. Welcome back to the Actors Room. Once again, my name is Jeff Tarowski, and here we are talking about a documentary. Why? Because they're damn interesting. I almost said another word. I'm containing myself in the actor's room. Thought I'd do a documentary today because this one has been on my mind for years. Yes, there are a few docs that stick with me. For example, the West Memphis 3 doc that I highlighted about a year ago last summer called Paradise Lost. Fascinating case. I still look into it to this day. I've been studying that case for years. But this doc, one of the many docs that I've seen in my life, and I've seen many, I love them. But this one, done by HBO. Of course, it's done by HBO. They give the best. It's called, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. I watched this about two years ago. And this doc came out, you know, I don't know the exact year the doc came out. Should have wrote that down. It was a few years ago. And it's been a main topic of discussion in a lot of podcasts, a lot of shows. And I think I've listened to just about all of them because I'm so fascinated by this story. A 36-year-old woman, a very well-respected woman. In the community. She had a high profile job. Diane Schuler did. She worked for. Uh, in an accounting department. Um, and she made six figures. She was very responsible. Right? Nice job. Uh, she worked hard. She kept her house spotless. She has two kids. Okay. She, has, she had a son. Who is still alive? And a daughter who died in the crash. The minivan that went head on on the parkway, going so fast, 80 miles per hour. She drove, she got on the exit, it started driving in the wrong direction, head on, concentrated. 
straight ahead. People said she looked like she was on a mission. What happened to this woman? We're going to get into that. Because of what she did, eight people died. She had five children in her minivan. Five. Two of them her own. And three her nieces. What happened? We'll get into that. We're going to talk about it. And if you've heard of this case, give me your opinions as well. When you're done listening to what I think happened, there is a wide variety of opinions out there. Believe me, I have looked all of them up. I have been on Reddit for the past two weeks. There are countless uh, topics about this incident. That happened. We're going to give you the date this happened. July 26th, 2009. In the summer. In the middle of the summer. This is what happened. Diane Schuler and her husband, Danny, would go camping. Often. And this is why. Diane worked a very high-profile job working a regular shift, a nine-to-five shift. Her husband, Danny, was a security guard. So he had a night shift. Crazy shifts if you're a married couple, especially if this has been going on for a while. You have mom working a regular shift and dad working the night shift. So it's hard for the parents to be together because during the week, They hardly see each other. What? Maybe for a few hours. So they enjoyed going out to the state parks and fish, boat, hang out, bring the kids. They, of course, brought their nieces with them on this trip. Danny came out a day early, did some fishing on his own. He took out his uh, his dog and the truck and was a day ahead. Of Diane and the kids. Danny was already there. So they had two separate vehicles. Diane showed up. Day after Danny. And they spent the weekend. Late July. Summer. Beautiful. Right? This takes place uh, near uh, upstate New York. Mind you. Diane and Danny lived near Long Island. All right. Had a good weekend, right? As far as we know. That's what Danny says. They had a nice time. Danny, of course, is the husband who came in a separate truck. So, they're wrapping things up. Time to go home, right? Danny wakes up bright and early. 7 o'clock in the morning. Great. He says he washes the boat, gets things ready, ready to go home. Packs up all his shit in the truck. Wakes Diane. Says, Diane, time to get up, wake up the kids. We're going to be leaving soon. So that's what Diane did. Got the kids ready. Got all things together. And all of you out there who have gone camping for the weekend. I've done it many times when I was a kid. I don't anymore. We go camping every now and then. But when we are kids, this is something that I would do. I would go with my aunt and uncle camping for the weekend. We'd leave on a Friday. 
we come back on a Sunday evening, the whole weekend. That's what this family did. Diane and Danny were the aunt and uncle that took three nieces with them to camp. I mean, I think I personally have done this several times with my aunt and uncle. My aunt and uncle loved to go camping. They just did. They loved it. So that's what Diane and Danny did. So back to the campsite right before they leave. Diane gets everything ready. Packing all the shit in the minivan. (laughs) Some red minivan that she borrowed from her brother. Okay, Diane has, I think, a few brothers. And uh, the brother of Diane, okay, loaned her the uh, minivan. Just, you know, have plenty of room for the kids and stuff like that. And it was a very nice thing for him to do. Because those were his kids that they brought with them that weekend. Makes sense. And I think the time they left was around 9.30. Yeah, is that right? I, I'm, I just want things to be clear here. Because the timeline is very important. Very. They, uh, yep, 9.30. I know this one pretty well. I have, oh boy, the research I've done on this thing, it's mindless. I got to the point, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday morning when I went to work, I said, if there is any uh, free time that I have, I'm going to look more into this case, right? So I'm at work. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, of course. And I had some free time. Fridays are slow. I had some free time. And decided against it. I had so much info in my head. And I have been diving into this thing head on. I mean just crazy research. For the past week and a half. Ridiculous research. Almost non-stop. Almost all of my free time. Was reading up on this case. Hearing opinions. uh, Watching docs. Listening to shows. Interviews. The whole thing. And doing my own research on the side. On my own, I did. And I reached a point yesterday, I just couldn't do it anymore. And even today, before I recorded, I felt maybe I should brush up on this, that, no need. I have all the info right here. And it may reference the notes every now and then. Let's get back to the campsite. Vital. They left at 9.30. Danny, in his truck with the dog, left first. This is probably... The bit of information that I'm going to reveal to you next that has been scattered, that has been placed in shows, interviews, and other avenues that I've done in my research that have been false. This bit of information, which I can't believe people don't go on their own and make sure this information is correct. I listen to shows and I'm screaming in my head. The show is they get this bit of information incorrect. This is it right now. Where they camped, okay, was two and a half hours by car away from where they lived in Long Island. This is common. When we camped when I was a kid, we traveled about that to the campsite. Sometimes you got to go way out there in the middle of nowhere, okay, (laughs) to go camping. Most campsites aren't around the corner. If you're close to the suburbs, that's where they were. Diane, Danny, and the kids. They live in the suburb part of town. It's a two and a half hour journey from the campsite 
to their home. It's a bit of a drive. It is quite incredible to me how many shows, and I'm talking about respected shows on podcasts and other venues, have gotten that bit of information incorrect. And I think it's vital to the story. So vital. The people that don't get that bit of information correct now are put on another pathway about what happened that day. It's so important. I had to make sure. And I'm talking about, I I researched it. I looked at it. (laughs) I said, okay, it's like, how many miles? Like 120 miles. I should have wrote it down. But I went as, uh, like different ways, roads. You know, there's certain roads you could take, different, you know. There's just, there's like three or four different ways that go from here to there. I looked at all of them. And it comes right down to this. Without traffic, it would have taken them, on average, about two hours and 40 minutes to get from the park to their hometown. It's a bit of a drive. And other shows have said, and I'm not fucking kidding, this is a big difference. Oh, they go, it was only a 30-minute drive. What? I keep hearing these shows. Do, and one of a very popular show that I always think it's all the information correct. Also said it was a 30-minute drive. And I'm screaming at my phone because my phone's going off, you know, just spewing out all this info about this, this documentary, this story. And here I have like one of the shows that I thought I can depend on to give me correct information without a doubt. Like out, whatever they say, I take it in. I shouldn't and shame on me and shame on you. If you listen to stuff, okay, and you're listening to this show and I pray to God. Everything I say is pretty correct. I take pride in that. When I do my research, I check it. I get sources. I check it again. You should have... I checked this bit of information out. I'm not fucking kidding. A dozen times. To make sure it was right. And what really clinched it for me is I was listening to a few other shows. And they were from the area of Long Island. Those are the ones I'm going to trust too. And it was quite incredible the way they brought up this information. They go, yeah, that's a drive. We're from this area. And I know this highway. I know that highway. And it was about a two and a half hour drive. Thank you. I heard that a couple of days ago. I'm listening to a show. It's based out of Long Island. And they're talking about this event. This situation that happened with Diane. Diane Schuler. And I kind of went on and on about that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Jeff, how long did it take them to get from their campsite uh, to their home? Two and a half hours, folks. Not 30. Because this will play into what happened. Why the hell did this 36-year-old woman, who was known to be very responsible, down to earth. I mean, she had shit lined up, man. She took care of the house. She took care of the kids. They said she had all the kids' clothes ironed every day. When she dropped them off at daycare before she went and worked her nine-hour shift, she was the first person at the daycare when it opened. And the kids were just perfect. She never missed work. She was on top of stuff. She took care of everything. She wore the pants. She made the money. 
Why did she do this? They estimated this lady went the wrong way on the highway going 80 miles per hour with a concentrated look on her face. And you think, by God, was it a suicide? What the hell happened that weekend? Or what has been happening with this woman's life? She had kids in the back seat, five of them. Why did she do this? (laughs) Let's talk about that morning. She left at 9.30 a.m. Her first stop, about 15 minutes or less into her trip, a two and a half hour trip, by the way, she stopped at McDonald's. Quite common in this situation. Quite common. Before you hit the road, a long trip, you stop at McDonald's, get some breakfast, right? She's got kids with her. She let the kids play around in the playground that every McDonald's has. They had a breakfast. And it was even said by witnesses at McDonald's that Diane was quite sociable with people behind the counter. Just people working at McDonald's, holding conversations. Did she seem okay? And the people that worked at McDonald's said she seemed fine. She had a conversation with us. Nothing unusual. Kids played. And about 40 minutes later, they left McDonald's with food in their bellies. And it was said that Diane ordered a orange juice to go. Remember that. Back in the car, they go. Back in the minivan. They decided to stop at the Sunoco station across the street. Right across the street to gas up. And as they rolled into the Sunoco station, there's footage of this. And I watched it about a hundred times. There's not much going on in the video of Diane getting out of her minivan, going into the Sunoco station alone, leaving the kids in the car. Questionable, but eh, I'm sure the kids are fine. She wasn't in the store for long. She walked in, looked around a little bit, approached the person behind the counter, and asked for something. She asked for a certain type of pain reliever, gel cap Tylenol. The guy behind the desk, station, whatever, guy working behind the counter, said, I'm sorry, we don't have that certain gel cap Tylenol. Sorry. She said, fine, and left. Went back into the car. Sorry. Minivan. And this is all recorded. In like a weird, almost like a, you don't see everything unfolding uh, continuously. This video, like you see her walking and you miss maybe a couple seconds. And then you see her walking again. It like pauses and then it continues. You got to go on YouTube to see it. It's there. You just put in Diane Schuler uh, footage of Sunoco. You get to see it. It's very short. A minute, maybe two. Diane gets into the minivan. And watch how she leaves the uh, parking lot. Um, she was going fast. She didn't like take her time. Some people do this. Drive recklessly in parking lots. Uh, anywhere. I, when I drive, especially in the parking lot, 
like today, I was at the mall. I really take my time looking for people that are just speeding in the parking lot. It happens often. I'll creep back and I'm afraid every time I back out of a parking space that somebody's just going to clip me because they're just speeding throughout a parking lot. She just like floored it going from where she parked to the exit. She like goes around a pump. I mean, and she tries to turn left out of the Sunoco station in the left lane. She wasn't even in the, in the right lane. This is at the very beginning of this trek back home. And already she's acting off. Or maybe she's just a reckless driver, period. That could be. But watching that footage gives a little insight. And what sort of mindset that Diane had early that morning. She was looking for pain medication. Why? We'll get into that soon. Back on the road she goes, and now I have to reference my notes. <laughs> because after this, we have to like really kind of, okay, the, the day, the incident stuff. Got to look at it on my notes. All right. Uh, a- after McDonald's, she went to Sunoco. Got it. She left Sunoco. And this is about 11 o'clock, an hour and a half after she leaves the site. She traveled along Route 1, I'm sorry, uh, Route 17, that's Interstate 86, uh, the New York uh, Thruway, Interstate 87. She went there as well. Uh, She uh, entered a service area, crossed the Tappan Siege Bridge heading east, and there were several witnesses later reporting seeing a red minivan with her description driving aggressively, tailgating, flashing headlights, honking the horn, and moving in and out of lanes. Straddling two lanes at once. 11.30, she calls Warren Hentz. Hans said his last name wrong. I'm sorry, Warren. <laughs> she calls Warren, that's her brother, and says, uh, sorry, we're running a little late, and we ran into some traffic. We'll be there as soon as we can. And from what I gather, she tells her brother, it'll be a few hours, maybe more. This will concern the mother of the three nieces that Diane has with her. And this is why. They have play practice that day. And Diane has to get the kids back at a certain time. Her brother and her sister-in-law have play practice for the kids. Now she has a deadline. Continuing with the timeline of this fascinating story. According to a police report, Shula was seen by witnesses at approximately 11.45, just a few minutes later, after her phone call with her brother, on the side of the road, with hands on her knees, vomiting. She was seen again in the same position a short time later by another witness, with hands on knees, bent over, vomiting. She's not feeling well. At about 1 p.m., Another call was made to Hans from the Schuler cell phone. This is Diane's cell phone. During this call, one of Schuler's nieces reported to her father that Schuler was having trouble seeing and was speaking with slurred speech. 
There's something wrong with Aunt Diane, the niece said. There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. She can't see, she said. Okay, this is when alarm bells go off in her brother's mind. What the hell is going on? (laughs) Okay, they should be like more than halfway home by now. And my sister's telling me that they're running late. Uh, They'll be back in about two hours, maybe longer. Okay, what's taking so long? Okay, they stopped at McDonald's. (laughs) They went to Sunoco Station. What's Diane doing? Oh, she's been uh, driving aggressively behind people on a highway, tailgating, honking horns. She needs to get off the highway. Why? Because she has to get sick. She's not feeling well. People reportedly seeing her get sick on the side of the road at uh, stops, at service areas. You know that place where you pull over on the highway? She had to get the fuck off the highway because she wasn't feeling well. What's going on with this lady? What's her sickness? Is she having an embolism? Is she having a stroke? And if so, why isn't she pulling over and staying there? Saying, oh, God, bro. Why isn't she calling her husband? Danny, I'm not feeling well at all. Something is wrong with me. I'm going to stay put. I'm here with the kids. I'm going to lay down. The kids are with me. Somebody come get us. Call 911. Call an ambulance. Come pick me up. Uh, That would be the smart thing to do if she's having some sort of emergency here. Or she's having a a health issue. You pull off the side of the road. It doesn't even matter where you are. It could be in the middle of the freeway. You're not feeling well. Like You think you're having a heart attack or a stroke. You pull the fuck over as soon as possible. Get somebody on the phone, probably 911 first. That would be my first call. 911. Uh, hello. Uh, I might be dying. Get somebody over here. I'm between exits 35 and 36. Uh, let's go. <laughs> and please contact my brother, contact my husband, you know, contact some people. Help. Diane doesn't do this. She continues to get behind the wheel. And she continues forward. Onward she goes. Is she sick? And I know you're thinking about this. Is she drunk? What is going on with this lady? She goes on. Minutes later, she's back on the road. Driving aggressively again. Honking at people. Making a scene. She has to pull over again. She gets sick again. Phone is ringing off the hook, of course. Her brother, he, the, she, he can't call her enough. He says, stay where you are, wherever you are. Stop. Pull over. I'm coming for you. Give the phone to my daughter. I have to talk to her. Diane hands the phone over to her niece. So now dad is talking to her daughter. And the dad says, please tell me what you see around you, like signs. And she gave the dad uh, a sign of, I think, a city nearby. So I think, uh, what was his name? Warren, the dad, said, wait, don't go anywhere. (laughs) I'm coming for you. And I'm calling the police. This is crazy. This is what Diane does. She takes her phone, sets it down 
in the middle of the highway, on a median, it takes off again. But what I don't understand is, well, there's a question here. Did Diane leave the phone intentionally or did she just forget it? That's a point of question. Was she getting to the point where she was tired of people telling her what to do about this situation? She's going to just tough through it. Get home. And left the phone so she didn't want to be bothered anymore by phone calls. I don't believe that. I don't buy it. I think she left it there. She forgot it. I think that she was so going on, whatever was going on with her, uh, disoriented, that she forgot her phone right there at her last stop. Because folks, after this, the next time Diane Schuler stops is when she slams head on, head on collision with another car, head on, because she was driving in the wrong direction on the freeway. She got on an exit on the highway going the wrong way. And here we go. Theories. She killed eight people. Eight. Says one of the worst accidents in that area in the past century. And there have been people that say that bit of highway, it's a little crazy. It's New York. So... Although the speed limit, I think they said, is 65, uh, there are people that say it's no surprise seeing more than uh, enough drivers speeding, going 80. Okay. It's New York. Crazy roads, uh, people moving fast, getting from here to there. And Diane was irresponsible that day. Was there irresponsibility based on something she did wrong or something that was beyond her control? Was it a, a health issue? Was she drunk? We'll have to wait and see, right? The autopsy. The crash is horrific. Families crushed. And now we got to find out why. And A lot of people around this situation couldn't wait (laughs) to get the autopsy. What happened to Diane? Did she have a stroke? By God, if that's the case, the poor lady. You're like, she's responsible for these kids. And she just happened to make the wrong decision by thinking that she was so tough. And she really was a tough person. Okay, she had a lot of responsibility. She took it on. Uh, Her mother left her when she was young. The mother cheated on the family and her husband with a neighbor Okay, when Diane was like eight. And the mom just laughed. So poor Diane, at a very young age, had to sort of be the mom of the family. Had a lot of resentment towards her mother. Took that on, that responsibility, as a young uh, daughter, a young woman. And for the rest of her life, held on to that, she never talked to her mother again. (laughs) How about that? And she hardly ever talked about her personal life with others, about her family, about her husband, who was a fucking loser, this guy. I hate to say it. Doing all my research in this case, this incident, uh, his own parents, Danny, Diane's husband, Danny, even his parents said Diane had three kids, (laughs) the the two natural children she had with Danny and Danny. (laughs) 
His own mother said this about Danny. He was like a fucking child. She took care of everything. She took care of him and the kids. And Danny, of course, I mean, he loses his wife and his daughter, his young daughter of two years old, and nearly his son. I guess the son survived. I don't guess. He did survive the crash. He was thrown from the vehicle. That's one story. And another story is he survived because he was underneath all the other kids. I guess when people came to help in this crash, they fished Diane out first. She fell on them and found that she was dead. There was nothing they can do for her. Uh, And when they went in for the kids, they noticed that the two kids, they were like piled on top of each other. This is such a horrific story. The kids were piled on top of each other. And the only survivor, the son, was beneath the pile, coughing, crying, and screaming for help. And they said, that's a good sign. He was in pain. That's good. He was crying. He was aware. And he survived. Although he spent a few months in the hospital, this poor kid, with only survivor of the initial crash, uh, there were a few other survivors that had uh, got involved with the accident, kind of like in a tailspin. Uh, they, they survived as well. But the initial crash, only one survivor, the son. Autopsy. Here we go. What was in Diane? What was going on with her? <laughs> this is uh, what they found. They found that uh, her alcohol thing, you know when you give the, the breath test or they find out what you had in your system? I'm sure they got this. I want to give like an exact. <clears throat> I know, I'm ruffling through my pages here. Stay, stay with me here. Oh, intoxication levels. Whew. All right. Here it is. Her blood alcohol content, which is BAC, was a 0.19%. Approximately six grams of alcohol were also found in her stomach that had not been digested yet and put into her bloodstream. The legal BAC limit for driving while intoxicated in New York is 0.08. Hers was more than double. Almost 0.2. And she still had unabsorbed alcohol in her belly. Which means this lady was um, was pretty drunk. I think they said that that's equivalent to uh, 10 drinks. Which means 10 shots, 10 beers, 10 glasses of wine. This was uh, around noon, folks. Whoa, I like to drink. I'm not going to lie, folks. I enjoy having a few drinks. I have a couple feeling good. And I drink often. I like it. But there's a certain point where I know enough's enough. I don't like getting sick. (laughs) Okay, I don't like being drunk. I think I was drunk once in my life. And I said, I'll never do that again. And I actually never did it again. I get buzzed. That's it. I have a couple, maybe three, in just one day. Ten. Ten drinks at around noon. And she still had alcohol in her belly that didn't even register yet. 
So, 12, 13 drinks? What the hell happened to this lady? Why is she guzzling alcohol? She was drinking. Guess what they found in the minivan after the crash? A broken absolute vodka bottle. A whole liter. That's not all. That's not all. She also had THC. THC. I can't talk. She also had THC in her system as well. THC, as you know, is the uh, ingredient or the component in marijuana. The stuff that gets you all fucked up. Right? And there was a high amount of that. Not just a little. And they said that she smoked it about 15 minutes before the crash. So not only was she drinking heavily, not just having a few, okay? Sometimes you take a few drinks to take the edge off if you're in some pain or she was hungover from the night before. I guess this campsite's known for its drinking. Hey, adults go out there, they have drinks, they party it up, they have fun, relax. They're camping. I'm sure that uh, Danny and Diane had a few drinks at the campsite, right? Danny says they didn't. I say, I don't believe you. I think there was drinking going on that weekend. I think Diane was drinking. And she continued to drink on her way home. A two and a half hour drive with five kids in the back. When did she start drinking? Because as she left the campsite at 930, the owner of the campsite said she looked fine. And the people at McDonald's said she was fine. And then the guy behind the counter at Sunoco, also interviewed, says he knows for a fact that she wasn't drunk. Oh, and he's a doctor? How uh, You can see the confrontation, like confrontation, the interaction between Diane and this guy behind the counter They weren't like, she wasn't at the counter buying something. She was like away from the counter asking a question and he was behind the counter answering it. And that was the extent of their interaction was like two seconds. She wasn't even standing next to him. How the hell does he know she wasn't drunk? Oh, he knew for a fact she wasn't drunk. She may not have been drunk at that time. She was on her way though. Because remember, if she left McDonald's, She ordered an orange juice. And one of her most favorite drinks, one of her co-workers said, Diane would go out after work and have drinks with the girls at the bar. She would drink screwdrivers. What's that ingredient? That's orange juice and vodka. And for closet alcoholics, they said that the alcohol of choice is vodka. It's the... The one alcohol, I guess, that is less detectable than the others, just by smell and color. She took an orange juice with her on her way out of McDonald's. Maybe she just wanted an orange juice. I don't think so. She was putting a lot of vodka, nursing that. Oh, she didn't nurse it. All right, she got wasted. (laughs) My God. Why? Think we all know. How the accident happened. She was drunk and high. Why did it happen? This, did she crack? All this responsibility on her shoulders. 
being the breadwinner, doing all, all she can for the family. Raising the kids, full-time job, she took care of the house. She took the kids to the doctor's appointments. She did. Think of all the things that your wife and you or your husband and you do together and then separately to make it work. And how much you rely on your significant other to get things done. I think Diane did everything. I think the husband, Danny, just worked his night shift as a security officer. Wow, that's a hard job. I don't mean to just bash on security officers. Uh, They don't work that much. I see them. I work at a college. They're they're constantly talking to other people, uh, sitting in a little office. Uh, There's not many happenings that go on. I guess it depends on where you work. But a night shift as a security guard, doubtful. Uh, He's working 100% every minute of every fucking day. This guy didn't do much, but sit on his fucking ass. Okay, and have Diane do everything. I'm not lazy, and I don't like hearing about lazy people. And I respect Diane and what she did in her life, having all that responsibility and taking that on, having that all on her shoulders. And obviously, I think it got to her. You want my opinion? Okay, it got to her. Something happened that weekend? Maybe. You know, people speculate. Danny and her, they got in a fight. That's possible. And I'm sure it wasn't the first time they fought. Did she go over the breaking point of their fights? No. Was Danny revealing something in their relationship? I don't think so. I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I think this wasn't an unusual weekend in that respect. I think Diane was confident enough in herself that whatever was going on in her life, I think she had a handle on it. Although I believe that she was a closet alcoholic and it was drinking regularly, I don't think she was doing it to the extent where it was becoming a problem. I think she drank. I think she drank a lot but felt that she had a handle on it and knew where to draw the line in certain areas. But this morning, something happened besides Danny. I don't think that was it. I think a lot of people feel that way. I don't. Danny's kind of a a child, a man-child. He's not the only one. (laughs) I think there's a lot of man-childs out there. He's just one of them. I think there's a lot of women in a marriage that take care of a lot more than the husband. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. I think I'm right. Okay. I take great, great pride in my relationship with my wife in uh, how it pertains to our kids. We are pretty right down the middle. And I love that about our relationship. My wife, she goes out, she gets all the groceries. God bless her. I hate going grocery shopping. I fucking hate it. Uh, I'll go If uh, she comes with me and we kind of do it together, that's fine. But she does all the grocery shopping. You know, she'll take the kids to doctor's appointments. I will too. But, you know, we, I have daughters. We have daughters. So, you know, there's girl things that they want uh, mom to go with them to the doctor. Get it. You know, but I will take them to other things as well. 
Uh, I do a lot of the cleaning. I enjoy it. I enjoy cleaning, uh, doing the laundry. I, I keep up the house. Uh, it's a stress reliever for me. I enjoy it. I love working around the house. I do all the chores as far as, you know, taking out the garbage, mowing the lawn, taking care of like the cars, things like that. And my wife cooks. <laughs> God bless her heart. I hate cooking. And my wife loves it. And she does such a great job. We love her so much. She gives us so many tasty meals. They taste great. I love the fact that my wife is such a great cook. God bless her. We share things. Like, she does this. I do that. I don't think that's what was going on with Diane and Danny. And I kind of rambled there. But I think a lot of people that might be listening to this show and know about this incident that happened feel that Diane just couldn't take it anymore with Danny or Danny revealed something in their relationship. Like he was cheating on her. Uh, something happened that weekend. She didn't like it. Just crushed her world. I don't think it goes that deep. And usually I go deep with these sort of things like, oh yeah, I'm sure it was like some deep, dark secret that Diane had. Like, oh, she was a lesbian or something. You know, like she was bi and she just, you know, held on to this secret for her entire life. Like, I saw that theory. Like, she was a closet lesbian. <laughs> you know, she just couldn't take it anymore. Or Danny found out about it. Or Really? You know, I think we dive too deep into certain things. Sometimes it's simple. And I think something like this happens and there's like this grand conspiracy within Diane. Like, we just can't comprehend the fact that this lady was a bit of a closet alcoholic, which means that she would drink on the sly. You know, she'd slip it in here. Her orange juice or coffee or whatever the hell she's drinking. Her Coke, Pepsi. Vodka goes with anything. That's the great thing about vodka. It doesn't smell that much. And you can mix it with almost anything. It's great. <laughs> the universal drink for, uh, you know, you drinkers out there. You can mix it with anything. Maybe that's what she was doing to relieve some stress in her life. This is not uncommon. I think this is what Diane did. She fooled a few people in her family after this happened. And these reports came out from the autopsy. Her husband, Danny, said, there's no way in hell that this is possible. The tests are wrong. You're wrong. Do it again. And they come back to Danny and say, uh, these tests don't lie. Your wife had that alcohol in her system. And she was smoking marijuana, sir. <laughs> okay. My wife doesn't smoke marijuana. Um, she did that day. My wife doesn't drink. Uh, she did that morning. Danny was adamant. The tests are wrong. My wife doesn't drink. They said, are you sure? <laughs> okay. She would have a few drinks from time to time. I've never seen her drunk. Oh, really? That's right. What about the THC? She never smoked marijuana. Are you sure? <laughs> okay. She would have marijuana sometimes. And then it was revealed by a friend of Diane's. I think, actually, I think her sister-in-law said that it was pretty regular for Diane to have, you know, a joint before bed to help her sleep. But Danny says she never smoked marijuana. 
I think she smoked marijuana, Dan. And I think Dan knows. He's trying to cover it up. He's, he doesn't want to feel responsible for this. Because quite honestly, I'm sure he does. He doesn't want people to think Diane is a bad person. And I don't think she was a bad person until that fateful day. He's trying to cover it up to protect himself and the rest of his family. And I get it. But let it go. These tests don't lie. Danny and his sister-in-law said test it again. And they did. And guess what? It was done by another professional, someone that has been doing it for like 50 years. He sat him down and said, listen, (laughs) the tests are correct. And Danny's like, well, what do you mean they're correct? That's, that can't be right. And I love how the guy is trying to explain to Danny. Because, sir, I don't know what to tell you. Now, obviously, Diane was drinking that day. And smoking pot. And he's like, I don't believe it. And I don't know what to tell you. The guy's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, th- this is what the tests tell us. Diane decided that morning to put an excessive amount of alcohol in her body. And not only that, smoke an excessive amount of weed in order to drive from the campsite to home. Two and a half hours. It wasn't around the corner. I believe if it was around the corner, say a 30-minute drive, which a lot of these shows that I listened to said, like it was only a 30-minute drive. Why couldn't she wait till she got home? Because it wasn't a 30-minute drive. It was a two and a half hour drive. That is a long drive. For me, that's a long drive. I don't drive that much. And for Diane that morning, getting home wouldn't be around the corner. What happened? Why did she feel it necessary to drink that much alcohol and smoke that much weed? This is my theory. I might be wrong, but this is my theory. Diane had been suffering from a tooth abscess. Ouch. I've had this. All of you who listen to my show know that I have had issues with my teeth in the past. I've had several of them pulled. They've been cracked. They've had uh, really bad cavities in them. They've just been painful and have been infected. Diane was dealing with this. I feel you. Tooth pain is such an agonizing thing to go through. It is horrible. It'll ruin your day. And Diane was afraid to go to the dentist. She ain't the only one. I had to go a while back. I dreaded it. I put it off. I called. I rescheduled. (laughs) But it gets to the point you gotta fucking go. And that's one of her mistakes. She didn't take the time to go to the dentist and get this taken care of. And sometimes a tooth... We'll have good days. And sometimes it'll have bad days. And when it has a bad day, you want to tear it the fuck out of your mouth. 
people have said that tooth paints you like you don't even think about uh, anything else. You just want it out of your mouth. It was reported that Diane was having work done on this tooth in the past, and halfway through the procedure, got herself out of the seat and walked out of the dentist office. That's how um, <clears throat> touchy. This subject was with Diane, this whole tooth thing. I think this played into it, folks. Danny brought this up. Her husband, her tooth was bothering her. And other witnesses have said they noticed that Diane was always rubbing her teeth. Like, you get, you're, she was rubbing her mouth, her jaw. And I, could, I, I know it. I've been there, man. It is so horrible. I think Diane dealt with this that weekend. Maybe. And definitely that morning, she felt it coming on. I think she drank the night before. There was already alcohol in her system. And she was trekking her way two and a half hours home with five screaming kids in the back. You you think those kids are going to be good for those two and a half hours? That's doubtful. I don't care if you went to McDonald's or not. That's a bit of a trek. For any kid. And especially for an adult who just came off a weekend partying, partying it up, drinking, obviously smoking the gancha. Whoo! <laughs> Another pain reliever, folks. Okay. Diane, why didn't you just take the edge off, right? And that's what people are saying. Oh, she had a toothache. Poor baby. Have you had a toothache so bad you wanted to rip it out? And if you haven't, you can be quiet right now. This is just my theory. And I think it was bothering her. And another thing to back it up, pack it up, to back it up. God damn it. I hate when I mess up. I'm not erasing it. And another reason why I'm kind of backed up with my theory is that she stopped at the Sunoco station before she headed out right after McDonald's and asked for a certain pain reliever, a gel cap, a Tylenol gel cap. And when they told her, sorry, you know, we don't have that. Have something else. And people bring this up. Why didn't she, if she was in pain, why didn't she just take a a regular Tylenol? Or uh, ibuprofen. I'm sure they had something else. And they do. I guarantee it. That convenience store, Sunoco station, whatever. I'm sure they had plenty of pain relievers. Why didn't she just do that, they say. I'll tell you why. This is just from my experience coming from me. There are only certain pain medications that work for me. Ibuprofen. Motrin is the only pain reliever that actually works for me. If I walked into a store and they didn't have Motrin, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, we're out of Motrin, but we have Tylenol, we have Advil, we have... You might as well just give me, uh, you know, a a, a gumball. (laughs) It's not going to do anything for me. So why would I buy it? A Tylenol, I could take eight of them. I swear to you, I could take 10 Tylenol for a headache. It won't do shit. 
There's only a certain pain reliever that works for me. And just maybe, that pain reliever was the only one that worked for Diane. It didn't have that one. She's like, fuck. Good thing I got that orange juice. But why so much? Did it hurt that bad? I think it did. She started guzzling from that absolute bottle she had in the van. And why did she have it in the van? I think she was a closet alcoholic. And it was there. And she needed it, obviously. Tooth was bothering her all weekend. She had to have that vodka for the pain. She smoked the weed for the pain. She had to trek two and a half hours that morning. She got to do it. She's a responsible woman. On her own two feet, she could do anything. Nobody, I don't need anybody's help. That's the way she operated. She didn't need anybody's help. She didn't need Danny. She didn't need her brother. She didn't need the cops. She didn't need anybody. She could do this. Pain, fuck that. I have vodka. I got some weed. She lost control. She drank too much. And when she started feeling shitty, she felt she could smoke some weed to balance herself. Bad move. Being in that much pain, trying to take the edge off by drinking more, only made her sicker. And when she smoked that weed, it made it even worse. Been there, folks. Done it. Although I don't drink that much, I enjoyed some smokage. And the one time I smoked so much, I started hallucinating. And I remember this clearly. I was at Ohio State with my buddies. We smoked a lot. Holy water bong. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many we did. We had plenty. And about a half hour later, folks, I was on another planet. I was seeing shit. We were walking over a bridge at night, wasted. I looked over the bridge. I saw water. I was a little warm. Thought it'd be a good idea to jump into the water. This is a true fucking story. I started taking off my shirt and was ready to jump. My buddy Dennis grabbed me, pulled me back, and said, Dude, what the fuck are you doing? Said, I'm jumping in the water, man. (laughs) Come on, let's go. He said, "Uh, That's not water, bro. Why don't you take a look again? I looked down. What did I see? A fucking truck go by. We were over an overpass. Over a highway. Don't do drugs kids. I was stupid. A stupid kid. I experimented. And I will never do anything like that again. And I. Thanked my friend. For I mean. The chances of me actually jumping. (laughs) Who knows. I mean, I was that gone. I wasn't even drinking that much. You smoke enough and you mix it with alcohol. She was in a state of fucked upness with a drive to get from here to there. She felt she could do it. 
Diane knew it. There was no other way to go here. She had to get home, do it on her own, and hide. The fact that she had been drinking too much and smoking too much. She'd make it home. She could do it. All the other things in the past, no problem. This is going to be tough. But I'm going to hunker down, have one more sip of absolute vodka. Oh my God, did she drink that morning. What was she thinking? Diane Schuler thought she could do it. But she was gone, wasted, in a blackout condition. It thought she got on the highway, going the right direction. She didn't, even to the very end, as fucked up as she was on drugs and alcohol. She was so tough and driven, she thought she was going the right way. It wasn't a suicide mission. No way. That was Diane trying to get home. And eight people died. Drunk driving. Drugs. Drinks. She was in a lot of pain. And she felt she could do it on her own. She didn't need any help. Irresponsible. What do they call that? Pig-headed? Stubborn? I don't need anybody's help. I know a lot of people like that. My family, shit. My dad's side of the family, but both sides of my family are like that. Hard-headed, you know? Don't tell me what to do. I'm like that too, man. But you got to know your limits. You got to know that if I do this, that's a bad idea. Plus the fact that she had kids in her car with her, the minivan. And she was responsible for them. How dare she make that decision that morning to take that amount of alcohol into your system while you're driving. And I have people that I know very well that are dear to me that drink and drive. There's a lot of people out there that drink and drive. I don't, I can't do it. I have driven buzzed a few times and I'm paranoid and fucking scared every time I do it. Like you're having a few drinks at the bar, you gotta drive home. I hate bars so much. I fucking hate bars. Hate bars. <laughs> They're so dangerous. You got a bunch of fucking people sitting around drinking till like two o'clock in the morning. Thank God for Uber. But a lot of these people drive home, man. They bring their own cars to the bar and they drive home. In their own cars. Having at least three or four or five or six in their belly. Okay. Just driving home. Diane thought she could do it. She tried it. She was dead wrong. And created one of the most interesting documentaries. It's called There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. Done by HBO. Check it out. Fascinating. It centers mostly around Danny in his denial that his wife was drunk that morning. Uh, he knows that she was drunk. 
He just doesn't want other people to know it. He doesn't want his family to be tarnished. And I get it. So horrible what happened. The kids and the people that ran into Diane were on their way to a dinner in the middle of July, in the middle of summer, just going to a dinner and boom, a minivan going the wrong way. Could you imagine you're driving the freeway? Going at a good pace too. And like there's a slight turn in the highway. You don't know what's coming. And here comes this red minivan. Zoom. Boom. Before you know it. She's going 80. You're going 70. I mean, what is that? 150 miles per hour in different directions. I mean, you can't even think. This was on a Sunday. Not that much traffic. What a horrible story. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Actors Room. I babbled about this doc for about an hour. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, doing a doc. Maybe doing more of them. Uh, I went out last weekend with the guys. I get together with them at least once a year. We're all busy. We all got families. Uh, we got together last weekend. Talked to my buddies. And the one, my one buddy said... I liked it when you talked about the West Memphis 3 case. I said, great. I'm going to do another doc. Because I love doing docs. More docs coming at you. In the actor's room, my name's Jeff. Support the show. Go on iTunes. Go on the website. Go to Facebook. Leave five-star reviews. Leave comments. So important. I say it over and over again. If you haven't seen this documentary, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Watch it. Give me your opinions on it. What do you think happened? Jeff, you're, you're absolutely wrong. It was a suicide mission. What? See, I, I just don't buy that. I think Diane was responsible enough and loved her kids enough that she wouldn't go on a suicide mission in that manner. How selfish to take yourself out and kids in the back seat I think she was blackout drunk and stoned she was out of her mind people say oh she would have heard the kids in the back screaming you're going the wrong way she didn't hear shit <laughs> she had tunnel vision get home as fast as you can do it and she didn't she couldn't she fucked up in a bad way. What a way to go. What a way to go out. What is, uh, it's such a horrible, horrible story. That's why I looked into it for weeks, trying to figure it out. And I think I did. Or maybe I made myself uh, feel better about it. Maybe thinking, no way this lady went on a suicide mission, taking out all these other people around her. I mean, if she was suicidal... Do it some other way. <laughs> Make it through that little trip. Okay. Go home. And you know. Run the car in the garage. I mean what the fuck. That makes more sense. And I think she was a better person than that. Give her a little bit of credit. Although she made a horrendous choice. Taking out. Eight people. Her one of them. Okay. 
bad, horrible, horrendous, I mean, ridiculous choice that she made. Unheard of. For someone like me. I would never take one sip of alcohol if I'm driving kids. Never. Some people do. Once again, thank you for listening to this show. Please support it. I appreciate it. I'm going to go down tonight. It's a Saturday night. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> what are we going to do tonight? Hmm. But thinking about this. I'm not do- I usually do a puzzle. Some- you know, sometimes I do a puzzle. Eh. I'm not doing that. I've been watching... Uh, what have I been watching? Oh, Better Call Saul. It's back on Netflix. If you didn't know that. Better Call Saul. Oh, it's back. <laughs> Love it. And I'll probably watch that tonight. We might play a game. Been wanting to play Scategories. I love that game. Maybe I'll bring that up. Play some Scategories. I hope that you, tonight or this weekend, spend some time with your family. Hug your kids, man. Hold them. Hug them. Tell them how much you love them. My daughter, Lexi, will be spending the night in a mall with her Girl Scout troop. They won't be sleeping at all tonight. (laughs) But I'm going to miss her every second. She didn't feel well last night. You know, her belly hurt. And I just hate when my kids are sick. So she's, oh, I don't feel good. You know. So we were near her all night. So I hope she's okay tonight. She's going to be with her friends. But I'm going to miss her when she's gone. I'm going to worry about her. I'm sure she's going to be fine. But just love your family and your kids. They're so precious. They could be a pain. But that's okay. Because when you were a kid, you were a pain. You were. And your parents are like, damn that kid. <laughs> Kids are supposed to be a pain in the ass. But you love them so much. Give them that extra hug tonight, today. Tell them you love them. Tell them, hey, let's do something this weekend. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. Make it a wonderful day with your kids. With If you don't have kids, with a niece, a nephew. Or your friends' kids that you're close to. Kids are the greatest gift given to us. We mold them. And we, we give them a, a sense of purpose. And hopefully we, we take them down the right roads. We're not perfect. Every parent makes mistakes. Uh, daily. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we have to be there for them. Uh, we're a beacon of light for our kids. They look up to us. That's a big responsibility. Appreciate it. It goes so fast. Before you know it, they'll be gone. And you go, God, I hope it did a good job. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Did I do a good job? You know, when they're gone, it, like maybe five years later, you can go up to them. Did, did I do an okay job? Rate me from one to ten. I'll take, uh, I'll take a six. Seven, please. <laughs> uh, 
Anything higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. I take on being a dad so seriously. I do. Wow. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to me ramble. I do that on my show. Uh, Maybe it helps you fall asleep. (laughs) And if you're driving, I apologize. I hope I'm not making you drowsy. Wake up. Hey, wake up. Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Once again, my name's Jeff Tarowski. This was episode number 87. We're approaching 100. By God, will I get there? Can you do something special for number 100? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to get there, folks. No doubt about it. Yeah. Woo! God bless you. Have a good one.